Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome to Prayer International Radio. This is our Monday night broadcast. So what does it mean when it when we pray? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Without obligation, without boundaries, without obstacles, where we come to a place of rest. We're going to talk a lot about resting in him, resting in his presence, the rest of God. So what is it like, instead of what does it mean, what would it be like if we came to a place in our relationship with him where our faith didn't have limitations? where we just walked with him. You know, it's an interesting concept, walking with the Lord. Um, We, as a church, use it as a catchphrase of having a walk with Jesus, being friends with Jesus. But what does it really mean to actually walk with someone? You know, um, Chris Herzog, the other host of the show, and myself have, 
you know, we've been friends for, I don't know, maybe close to 20 years now. Um, and we talk a couple times a week, a couple times a day sometimes. And we were having a discussion today about different people who've been in our lives. And, you know, it's funny, the Bible says that Jesus sent the disciples out in twos. But we were talking about how, you know, throughout the years, you know, there's always people who you're acquainted with, people who know things about you, and then there's the people that you let in to the deeper parts of your heart, um, the people who you reveal more of yourself to, the people who you lay um, open and um, what's the word? Um, vulnerable to is a good word where you don't usually hide anything back. Um, my wife, for example, I was telling Chris today that I actually only have um, have tons of acquaintances. Um, I know tons of people. Um, I have a lot of people who I trust in the faith, who I trust their walks with the Lord. There are people who I really respect and admire and honor their relationships with Jesus. There are people who I have met and been around where even coming close to them, walking up to them, you can tell that they've been with Jesus just because of the countenance on their face, because of the look in their eyes. You can see that they've seen him. But even some of those people I'm not really close, close friends with. It's, and so I was telling Chris that uh seems like I really only have two friends in this entire world, um, Chris and my wife. Um, but, you know, our, our relationship with the Lord is sort of like that. It's something that it takes a great deal of time. Um, we all start off in the faith for whatever reason we started off in the faith, trusting in the Lord. Some people trusting in him because they heard a message about salvation and they heard that there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell and, you know, they flipped a coin or made a choice and, you know, they didn't want to go to hell. So they gave their life to Jesus, um, trusting that he died for their sins so they could have eternal life. And, you know, that's good. And it's true. And then there's those people who, you know, they put their trust in Jesus because of whatever was happening in their lives. They were going through hard times and they just needed hope and they needed peace. And, you know, Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not the peace of the world gives you. He said, take my my yoke upon you. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. And then there are people who were looking for more, who got a glimpse of something spectacular, got a glimpse of something they couldn't describe, which was him. And sometimes you're in all three categories at once. 
you know, ever since I was um, a child, even before I was saved, you know, there's always been this mystery of the Father, this holy reverence of the uncreated God who fashioned and formed heaven and earth, the stars, the countless multitude of galaxies and solar systems, um, a universe beyond um, comprehension. You know, scientists say that there are hundreds and millions of galaxies like the Milky Way. And just in our area of the universe, hundreds of millions of stars in the Milky Way, hundreds of millions of possible planets just in the Milky Way, hundreds of millions of galaxies outside the Milky Way. And we haven't even begun to see all of, or even a glimpse of what creation really is. It's um, awe-inspiring. The work of his hands, then again, then are trees and rocks and the very planet we stand upon and the earth we walk. You know, the very breath of air that we breathe, which comes from him. You know, I was thinking the other day about uh, the scientists and all the great advancements that scientists made and you know, to the point that they can make uh, human tissue uh, in a petri dish in a laboratory, and they can, uh, to the point of growing organs, um, starting from a cellular level. But we still can't make cells from scratch. We can form and fashion amazing things, but we can't make matter. We can't make atoms. We can't make molecules. We can't make the human breath. And of all the things that we can do, so many in the world choose to ignore him, to live their lives without him, to push him as far out of their mind as possible, thinking they can do everything without him without realizing the one thing they can't do without him is breathe. Because our very breath comes from him. Our continuing breath is because of him. You know, we talk about a relationship and walking with the Lord. And, you know, it's funny because relationships with the Lord are often very one-sided. They're often the Lord communicating with us and us uh, ignoring him as best as possible. And I speak as the human race as a whole. But, you know, throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, it says that he never changes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so when we're walking, going through our lives, the um, absence of our knowledge of his presence doesn't constitute the absence of his presence. Just because you can't see the Lord feel the Lord. You know, even Christians who have amazing walks with him 
who spend countless hours on their knees in prayer, interceding for the nation. You know, we all go through times where we just don't sense his presence as much or we can't clearly hear his voice as well. But it doesn't negate or change the fact of who he is. It doesn't change the fact that he's still there. It's just that we, our eyes aren't um, far seen in the spiritual realm and being able to comprehend his presence. You know, someone says once that the Lord is always speaking. And the real question is, are we listening? Have we tuned our ears and our hearts to hear his voice? To hear when he's calling for us. To hear when he's speaking to us. So we can understand his heart in season and out of season. So that we know what his thoughts are, what his plans and purposes are. You know, we know some of them through his word that he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Um, but then there's the deeper things of God. Um, there's actually knowing his heart, knowing his heart about people, knowing his heart about the world. You know, the Bible talk says that you can't love God who you haven't seen if you can't love, if you don't love your neighbor who you do see. And, you know, part of that comes from when you know his heart, you'll know the biggest part, one of the biggest parts of his heart is actually his children, is actually his creation. And the more time you spend in his presence, the more he begins to develop that compassion and develop that love for those around us, uh, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of what they do. Um, just because they are his. They might not believe they're his. You know, there's millions of people in the world who don't believe they're his. They have no knowledge of the truth because their eyes are still blinded by the gods of this world. But it doesn't change the fact that they're his. You know, when we pray and we intercede and we enter into that most holy place, coming before him, even in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, even going throughout our day when our heart and the Holy Spirit through us is interceding with groanings that can't be uttered. It's because there's an entire world. There's an entire creation to be redeemed, not an entire world set for the fire, as some would think, not an entire world of people who don't care, but there's an entire world of lost sheep. There's an entire world of lost sheep out there, an entire harvest. You know, um, someone say something um, today. But now I forget what it is. Um, but it was going on this, is that you'll begin to walk in authority in your life When you get to the place of living, into, living in his presence, when your knowledge of his presence in your life, your knowledge and your understanding and your comprehension or just even your faith in his presence, when that overrides 
your knowledge of the circumstance and your knowledge of what your eyes see and what the world says. The more you're able to put your trust and your faith in him, despite everything that you can see, the more you do that, the more authority you can begin to walk in. Not because he gives you a greater level of authority, but because you begin to understand the authority you already have. Too often, we as Christians strive for things we already have without realizing the complete expanse of the ministry that the Father has already given us. You know, he was up on the cross and he said, it is finished. The scripture says all his works were finished from the foundation of the world. And what is there left to do? I remember a long time ago, I watched this movie called The Sin Eater. And it's this movie about, um, I guess, in some old traditions. Um, they had a person who would go around and when someone died and they would perform this little ceremony and sort of take the person's sin upon themselves. And I remember when I saw this movie way back then, I kept thinking, it's it's funny how people still try to do that. They still try to justify themselves in the sight of God. They still try to earn his approval. They still try to work because in working and in even in ministry, they find it they do it not so much as because they're walking with him and it comes naturally. Because, but because it's something they think they have to do in order to gain his approval. Except for you already have his approval. The Bible says he has forever perfected those who are in Christ Jesus. Forever perfected those who are being sanctified. And there's nothing left. I remember many times in my Christian walk, feeling horrible about my sin, thinking that I deserved really thinking that I, I should take the punishment for my sins. I really deserved it. But the response was always the same, and that it's too late. He already did it. He already took the punishment for all your sins upon the cross, not just mine, but the entire world. And when we begin as a church, as we, when, we be, when we begin as believers, to start walking in the revelation of the things that he's already done, you'll begin to walk and understand resting in the Lord. We talk about, uh, we pray a lot for healing, not only on the show, but in uh, me and Chris in our lives. And one thing that has always been so evident when you're praying for the sick or whatever the situation is, is that the Bible says there's death and life in the power of the tongue, which is one. We know what his word declares about sickness. 
who said, by his stripes we are healed, which is two. Jesus said, go, on to the, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. So there's three. And so we have all these commands from the Lord, these proclamations from the Father, that the, and Jesus himself saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he said he gave it to us. And yet sometimes it comes down to something as simple as obedience, as there's a person who has something, who needs something. They need an answer and they need a solution. And the only solution is the Lord Jesus Christ. A man was asking the man at the gate, beautiful, was asking Peter for money. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, rise and walk. And he was able to say that, not because he had the best schooling, not because he had the most impressive ministry, not because he had the most impressive life, but because he knew the things that the Lord had deposited into him. Because he had the revelation that the word of God was true. And it's funny how, how simple it can be to, you know, Jesus said, talked about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. You know, our purpose and, you know, Bill Johnson said it best. He said, our purpose and our assignment as Christians is not to wait into heaven, but to bring the reality of heaven here, to usher in his presence into the world, to go into the far corners of the earth declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because there's parts of the world that don't know that Jesus Christ is Lord until you walk in and say it. When you encounter someone who's sick or they need a miracle, You know, the only thing lacking in the situation is the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's where we come in. Declaring his word to be true in every situation, in every place, in every city, every state, every country, that he's Lord over everything. You know, relation, our relationship with God is the same way. Sometimes it takes just a little bit of faith to just walk, to just rest in the Lord. When me and Chris were talking today, we were, um, it was funny, we were talking about how when we were kids, we had these amazing, great ideas growing up of what we thought the Lord was going to do with our lives and the vision 
that God had implanted in our hearts for ministry. And, you know, the Lord will always implant things in your heart. He'll always put nations inside of you. He'll birth dreams and visions, even in the night, speaking to you in your dreams like he did with Solomon. Because he's always conversing with you. And we were talking about how, you know, when we were kids, we used to um, have these great dreams of traveling the world and um, preaching the gospel to millions and millions of people. And, you know, all, all the things you see on TV, all the big dreams. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, you know, the second you enter into his presence, and you begin to pray. From that moment, you've begun your international ministry. Person, every Christian operates on an international basis, whether they realize it or not. Because, see, you may not always have money to get on a plane and fly to China. But you can enter into the most holy place. You know, the Bible says enter and come into his presence. It says, um, come boldly to the throne of grace in which we are accepted in a time of need. And what greater time of need is there than a harvest? But you can enter into your prayer closet and immediately begin speaking face to face with the most high God declaring his will to that nation declaring his word to be true to that nation speaking life into that nation speaking the words of God into that nation blessing and not a curse declaring breakthrough declaring chains to be loosed declaring his salvation to the lost in those nations every nation on the face of this earth every tribe every tongue is in our reach when we come before him because while we as uh, humans may be limited by money and distance and finance the Bible says we know he hears us and we know we have the things we ask of him and so why not ask? As the scripture declares, ask for the nations as an inheritance. Because it's his inheritance. And we're co-heirs with Christ. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not uh, someday in the future. Not when all this is over and we stand before his judgment seat and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. You know, that's not the moment when we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's right now. 
It's right now that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friend, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. And that was him saying, you're my friends. I want to start speaking into you. I want to start declaring to you the heart of my father. You know, as the song we were singing said, where you go, I go. And what you pray, I'll pray. And it's true. The Bible declares that Jesus only did what he already saw his father doing. On earth, declaring and proclaiming the will of heaven. Declaring and proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was here, that we, every one of us, could start walking in the same authority. And so here's the real kicker on it. It's not about the authority. You know, the signs and the wonders are awesome. No lie. And sometimes, you know, you haven't seen something amazing happen, then you sort of start missing it. But there's something even greater than seeing the signs and the wonders. It's feeling his presence. Because it's not about the signs. It's not about walking with the Lord and trusting the Lord and believing the Lord and memorizing and studying your Bible and getting on your knees and interceding just for the sake of interceding, just for the sake of the breakthrough and the victory, just for the sake of the sick being healed, the blind being able to see, the dead being raised, and even seeing the the lost come to Jesus Christ. While all those things are important, And they're all his will. What it really comes down to is him. Because at times we have trouble separating what he does and what he has done from who he is. Jesus is our Savior. Because he died on the cross for our sins. But he's God. Seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. It's what he does. But who he is is God. Who he is is the Lamb. The only one worthy to open the scrolls. When God could find no other, when there was no intercessors,
there was Jesus. You know, I always wondered what it was like for Adam and Eve walking in the Garden of Eden. You know, they really didn't have a lot to do. You know, the animals were taken care of. The garden took care of itself. All they had to do was walk around and spend time in the presence of God. And they didn't even have to try very hard at that. Because even after they sinned, it was God who came looking for them, calling out to them, where are you? Come. And the funny thing about that is there's no difference for the most part between Adam and Eve walking in the garden with the Lord and us walking in his kingdom with him. I heard someone say that the children of Israel had the promised land and we had the kingdom of heaven. Not a place that we need to go, but a place where we are. Where is that? Wherever you're at, wherever you're standing right now, the kingdom of God is at hand. The children of Israel followed a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, always looking for which way that it was moving so they could be led. But we became the pillar of fire and we became the pillar of smoke. When he sent the rock, Hasidash, the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. So the question is, where is his presence? Wherever you're at. Where is his authority? Wherever you're at that you start speaking. Where is the breakthrough at? Right there where you're at. The point is, you know, Jesus chose 12 disciples, not for the sake of having 12 not just because it's been the children of the tribe of Israel. But he was trying to replicate himself in them, to declare them and open their eyes and show them the purposes of the kingdom of God. Over and over again, with signs and wonders, showing them, modeling for them a life in a position, in a place that they had and the authority that they would have into him and in his name. You know, what surprises me the most about the story about Peter walking on the water toward Jesus, and you know, it's always been one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it symbolizes the Christian walk so much. It so much symbolizes our lives um, with us seeing him and then walking toward him in the midst of all the storms. And even when we fall, when we take our eyes off of him, he's still there to catch us. And, you know, that's the thing. 
about his presence is that even when you mess up, he doesn't move. Even though your eyes may turn away from him, he stays the same. Heaven and earth could pass away. The mountains could fall. The world we know could cease to exist. And the one thing that wouldn't change is him. He is the only constant in this life. His word. Everything else changes. Our emotions change. Our feelings change. But he stays the same. Our opinions of the world and churches and, you know, everything else, they're constantly, like, moving up and down and back and forth. But his word is eternal. And if you want to stand, the Ephesians said that having done all the stand to stand, it begins in his word. You know, in uh, the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 4, you know, we, were t- we started talking about the rest. And, you know, it says... Um, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Actually, that wasn't it. Let me skip down. Uh, okay. Where's that? Uh, oh, yeah. Verse 11. Therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. Least anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Because, you know, the children of Israel were promised through covenant to enter into the promised land. Which, on a side note, is funny because Abraham was told not to take anybody and just to leave everything behind and go. And God would take him and show him the place where he was going to go. And he still took Lot. And when that didn't work out, he... And he said, Lot, okay, you can go this direction or you can go that direction. I'll go the other direction. It doesn't matter. Because Abraham knew that God was going to bless him and that God was going to get him where he was going to go or where he needed to go. And so Lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah doing whatever Lot was doing. Out of all the places he could have gone, he ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all know what happened to that in the Bible. Uh, But God still had a covenant with him and so even in the midst of all the sin in the midst of everything Lot was doing or wasn't doing just even being in the place he shouldn't have been in the Lord still sent angels to deliver him anyway back to the uh, scripture it says um, for the word of God is living and powerful you know, it means that active. He said, I am. They said, Abraham, I mean, they said, um, when Jesus was talking about the well, and they said, are you greater than our father Abraham who built this well? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And then again, he said that, um, 
he said, I am that I am. That God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Living and powerful. For the word of God is living and powerful. Back in John it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word with God. It was The word was with God, and the word was God. You know, the word of God, Jesus, living and powerful. You know, Jesus said, you search the scriptures for them, and you think you have life. You know, what that means is, you know, they would take the word of God, the Torah, and everything, and they would search it, and they'd memorize it, and they'd study it, and they'd put it on signposts, and they'd put it in little boxes and keep it on their body because they they felt it through these the physical words. They had life. But Jesus said it was these that pointed to me because this word points you to Jesus. You know, I've said this before, but, you know, someone said, if, you, if you're blind and you can't read a book, then read Jesus. Because the very scriptures are there to point us to him. For the word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. You know, um, we have a soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and we have our spirit, which is eternal. You know, sometimes people are stuck in bondages and they're stuck in sin and they're stuck in this and this. And, you know, what it takes is literally the Word of God to cause that division between their soul and the spirit to break them free. Living in powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. The joints and the marrow. Because there's a difference between who you are, your created purpose and muscles to declare what you do. And it is the discerner of the thoughts and then the intents of the heart. You know, that's a... Um, horrifying verse there. It's an amazing verse. Horrifying in the aspect of that we all at some point have to have this word and use it to dissect our own heart to see if our intentions, to see if our thoughts are really for him or about us. To find out why we're doing the things that we're doing. What is the purpose for the things that we do? Are we really serving him or are we serving ourselves? And it says, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. You know, what does that mean? That means no matter what happens, don't let go. Don't forget the Word of God. You know, if you're not declaring the Word of God over yourself and over your family and over your cities, you're missing out. 
with all the promises that he's put in the scripture about us. Every day we need to remind ourselves not just of who we are in him, but of who he is to us. Because it's far too easy to forget. You know, something me and Chris were talking about is that I'm convinced that it's impossible, a physical impossibility to sense thinking about him. That the only way you can actually physically sin is when your mind is not upon him. And so people who willfully sin literally have to force him out of their minds in order to do so, making a choice at that moment of who they're going to follow in that time, their flesh or God. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know, Paul said his grace is sufficient and his strength, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And what that means is, no matter what mountain you get to, no matter what obstacle you face, you do, you become obedient, even to the point of death, like Jesus. But you're obedient, and then you leave the rest to him. It's the amazing thing about how this walk with the Lord works. is that you're faithful in the little and he reveals to you how great his faithfulness is, how great his mercy is, how great his grace is, how great his provision is. Right now, somewhere in this world, every few minutes, someone's going to die. It's an absolute certainty. Every minute, someone's going to die. Every few minutes, someone is at the point of wanting to commit suicide and end their life because they have no hope. Or at least they don't see the hope that they have. Every minute, somewhere in the world, someone's suffering. And the funny thing is, is that all throughout Scripture, when Jesus would heal people and do things and even feeding the 5,000, it always shows his heart and it says he was moved with compassion. And a lot of the people that Jesus ministered to, a lot of the people that he healed and that were delivered weren't Christians. They weren't born again. They didn't have great lives or great walks. You know, I only remember at least one time where he said, go and send them more. And you see, that's where prayer comes in. That's where intercession comes in. That's when when there's nothing else you can do, you pray. You stand in the place where Abraham stood before the Father. 
declaring life on a city that would normally face destruction for judgment. You know, the one, one of the things that can hold the judgment of God are the prayers of his people. Jesus said, you say there's four months until the harvest. But I say, look, lift your eyes and look. And behold, the harvest is already ripe. It's time for you to, you, me, everybody, to start taking him seriously, to start taking his work seriously, realizing that the time is short. Yes, he's long-suffering, not, not willing that any should perish, so that all should come to repentance. But for at least one person out there, every few minutes, the time is going to be really short. And the one thing we can do is intercede and ask the Lord to open their hearts, to ask the Lord to reveal himself to them, to ask the Lord to send people in their paths, to declare the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Someone's in the hospital, declare his word in their situation. Declare that he is Lord over their body to speak his word into their life and into their heart. You know, um, I'll tell you a story, true story. Um, Chris and I used to have this uh, uh, Skype meeting that we had with a friend of ours named Paul Pentor and a couple others. And we would get on Skype. Technology is amazing. And um, with a bunch of people in the world, and we'd get on and we'd just start, we'd all have our little list there of prayer needs, and we'd all start believing and praying and just interceding for people all over, people that at least one out of however many of us were on the, well, sorry, only one of us that were on the line had any idea who these people were, and even they may not have known. But in general... We all knew the Lord. We all knew that the Lord was true, that he wasn't a liar, knew that his word was true. Knew that the word said, whatever things you ask, believe in in prayer, you will receive them. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believe in, you will receive them. And we would pray, and we saw so many breakthroughs and so many healings. And... Through that, Chris uh, was um, working with our friend Paul, and, you know, Paul's an investment person, and he does investments in these big, huge uh, deals, uh, financial stuff I have no idea about. Um, and Paul was talking to this guy overseas, and, you know, all of a sudden he gets Chris on the phone, and he's like, and he tells his friend, or this guy he's working with, he's like, hey, Chris, I'll prophesy over you and pray for you, and Chris talks to this guy, and um, leads him to the Lord. And the friend mentioned, or this guy mentioned that he had a friend in the hospital who was dying overseas. And so Chris, at like 2 in the morning or something like that, 
tells this guy to go to the hospital room. And Chris tells him, prays for him, and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit right there. And then he tells this guy who's a brand new Christian who doesn't know anything about anything, except for he's trusted his eternal salvation in Jesus, to put his hand on his friend. And Chris gave him a few words to say. And believing, because Chris knew he didn't have to be there. Chris knew all it took was someone willing to declare the word of God in that situation. And that guy's friend got up out of his hospital bed and was better. It wasn't Chris. It wasn't the guy who was praying. It was the word of God. You know, when it comes to prayer, it doesn't really matter what words you use. All that matters is that your faith and his ability to complete his word. Paul said that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. What power is that? The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that dwells in every one of us. Go into a time of worship. Our call in number 619-638-8458.
And it's just you and me here now. Oh, fear is gone in your face. 
Swear. Well. 